What a great way to begin this series. It is different than probably something that I've ever preached on because oftentimes we have questions for God. God, why is this happening? You know, when are you gonna take care of this? Where are you taking me? Where are you taking our country or world? And we have tons of questions and God is great with those questions, but I don't think we realize how often Jesus actually has questions for us to actually be able to answer. Uh, in fact, uh, speaking of questions, uh, the best people to ask questions are kids, right? Kids ask the best and sometimes the funniest questions. Like uh, recently, you know, a teenager asked me, how did you survive without cell phones? That is a tough question. I don't know, but we did. And also without seatbelts, you know, but that's a whole different conversation as well. Uh, somebody said, my five-year-old kindergartner bumped into his teacher at a grocery store and he asked me, who let her out of school? <laughs> Do you remember that age where you're just like, I only know my teacher here and if I see him outside, you're like, I, I don't know how to compute that. Uh, a seven-year-old asked, why are you buying beer, dad? Do you know how much candy we could get with that money? <laughs> That's fair. That is a fair question. Uh, a seven-year-old asked, I mean, uh, today I, I had ACDC's Thunderstruck on in my car. My daughter asked if it was Elmo singing. <laughs> Some of you guys are going to play that in your mind. You're like, really? Oh, yeah, actually, it does kind of sound the same. Uh, shopping at a store, my three-year-old looks around and suddenly asks in the only volume that he knows, Daddy, are these all those stupid people? Be careful what we say at home, remember? Because kids just take it and just blurt it out, those stupid people, you know, like, are these the ones you're talking about? Uh, Five-year-old asks, why do spiders run away when I fart? You know, just, we all run away when you fart, son. You know, that's, uh, that's the reality. But my favorite one is my brother asked my mom when my sister was born, can we put her back? I want a brother, uh, which is so true. Questions, you know, that kids ask. So I want to talk for just a few moments before we get into the actual question, the power and the importance of questions. Because questions are the foundation for learning, for growing, and for discovering who we are. It's less about the answers and more about the questions. In fact, Mark Twain said this, the two most important days in your life are the day that you are born and the day you find out why. Why are you here? Now, speaking of why, uh, as we've just talked about kids, it is the number one question that kids ask, especially when they're a certain age. Why, 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 why? Till you get so exasperated. It's just like, I told because I said so. That's why. But it's interesting because adults, you know the number one question that we ask? When. It's when. And that's going to come into play in just a few minutes. In, in fact, uh, according to studies, children ask 125 questions per day. Adults ask about Six questions per day. So somewhere between childhood and adulthood, we've lost 119 questions per day. Could it be that's one of the reasons we're stuck in our ways? That we're a little stubborn? That we're maybe we're not growing as much because we've lost our sense of curiosity because of the power and the importance of questions? Now, questions, I believe, are a key driver to bring people together. Uh, to better understand each other. We live in a political climate this day. We're more divided as a nation. And when we look at the other side, we already label, we judge, you know, uh, we, 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 we condemn in some cases. And yet I wonder, what if we actually sat down with someone and just asked some why questions? Why do you believe that? Tell me your perspective. Let's not do what we see on the media all the time where they're presenting their side and just arguing over each other, convincing no one anywhere you know, about what's going on. There's not that question and answer, that dialogue that actually produces the most learning. I mean, think about it in your own life. 
Have you ever come across somebody where when you kind of first met them based on how they looked, honestly, how they acted, how they behaved at work or somewhere else, you had a preconceived judgment, a preconceived notion, and an idea about what was going on in their world. It's the, the famous story of the, the guy on the bus, right? He's got two small kids. Many of you have probably heard this before. Two small kids, and the kids are just running like crazy up and down the bus. It's just irritating the heck out of other people on the bus. Like, can't you control your kids? We're in a confined area. What's wrong? What's wrong? Until finally, somebody got so irritated and so angry and just leaned over and said, sir, can you handle your kids a little bit better? To which startled kind of the, 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 the man, and he kind of looked, and he says, oh, I'm so sorry, um, uh, my kids just lost their mother. All of a sudden, the answer to the question changed the perception of what you had on the person and the circumstances in which they were living. See, questions are so powerful, and I believe if we become more question-oriented, it'll actually bring healing, and we'll be actually able to un- understand each other a lot better. Now, the best questions are not one-word answers. If you're a parent, you know if you ask uh, your kids, how was your day? Good, fine. Great. You're like, that doesn't help in that. So you want to ask, you know, what was your high today? What was your low? What was something that you learned? What was something that you struggled with? And when you ask more open-ended questions, you'll find much more learning and engagement. In fact, oftentimes, the biggest impact that we can have in someone's life is actually asking the right questions, not providing the right answers. You know, we love to provide the answers, but the questions is actually what makes the impact. If I think about things in my own life, the most transformative things that have happened have probably not happened through just receiving information, but actually the questions to get me to think, whether it be from my parents, from my spouse, or probably more recently in my guys group. I have a guy in my group named Paul Carty. Paul is the greatest question asker, I believe, in the history of mankind. Let me give you just one snippet and one example. So we're talking, we're doing check-ins, what's going on in your world, that kind of stuff. And if I should say something about me and my marriage, normally another guy would answer, well, hey, it would be important. Maybe you should date her a little more, bring her flowers, spend some time, be able to do that. They give answers, which are great. Not Paul, uh uh-uh. This is what he would say. Hey, Dan, what do you think the value, importance, or purpose of spending more intentional time with Carolina will do to enhance your or her relationship? I hate you, Paul. Because now it's got me to think and process. What's the why behind the what? And what are you doing? And what will enhance it if I do this and that? And it's got me processing, which is gonna stick so much more because of the power of a question. See, questions and faith are not opposed to each other, but actually it's a great partnership. I grew up kind of in an era where you're like, well, you don't question your faith, just believe it. So don't question it. And in fact, it's actually great to, to ask questions in light of our faith because it actually helps us to grow in our faith. People even say, that we could even say, that faith is more accurately measured by the courage within our questions than the certainty of our answers. This is when we grow so often the most. In fact, I want you to consider this. Jesus, who has all the answers, was all about questions. You're like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. If, if you want to get answers from God himself, Jesus doesn't give the answers, he gives the questions. In fact, um, the very first question is, comes out in the Garden of Eden. And God has all the answers, right? And so Adam and Eve have eaten the forbidden fruit. Now they're hiding in shame and God walks in the cool of the day. And then he, in Genesis 3, 9, it says, the Lord God called to man, where are you? Did God not have that answer? 
He knew exactly where Adam was. Was he trying to get Adam to think, to process through what just happened? Where are you? Could be in relationship with me, not in terms of I can't find you. And so what is he trying to say there? Now think about it, Jesus, for just a second. Just did a little bit of research this week. Jesus and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels in our Bible, asked over 300 questions in four little books. Over 300, 307 to be exact. Now in contrast, he was asked... 183 questions. So 183 questions were asked of Jesus. Do you know how many direct answers Jesus gave to 183 questions? Three. You're thinking, oh, well, thank you. I am the God of the universe. Thank you for coming to me for all of my wisdom and all of my discernment and all of my knowledge. Thank you for finally recognizing you're asking me questions. And I'm gonna respond with... A question more often than not, or he answers it indirectly, or he he goes a different route with whatever is being asked. He doesn't answer directly. Jesus knows that these questions that he asks are intended to help us to best understand our identity, our purpose, our belonging, our connection with him as it relates to our connection with other people. In fact, nearly every single question that Jesus asks, he does so to engage, enhance, or reveal relationship. He asked questions of his disciples, his critics, the poor, the rich, women, men, engaging them through relationship by asking questions that will help deepen their understanding of him, thus growing in their relationship with him or in their understanding relationship with other people. Now, I mentioned this earlier. I want you to know something because I never knew this. Jesus never, ever asked when questions. Not one question did Jesus ask was a when question. There were always more who, what, why? We ask a ton of when questions as adults. That's the number one question we ask. When will I find my spouse? When will this end? When will the Seahawks win another Super Bowl? You know, the important things that we're asking in life. Could it be that Jesus is trying to help us understand if God is in control and if Jesus is also somebody we trust, then the when is not nearly as important to him and maybe it shouldn't be nearly as important to us that even in the question asking, we can learn about the man in which we follow, the God in which we serve. With that as a very long but important background to this series, I'm so excited to look at seven. We're not gonna look at 300 because we would be here for four or five years, but we're gonna look at seven very transforming, thought-provoking, challenging, and helpful questions that Jesus asks you and me. So let's start with this first one. This first one is mentioned three times in our New Testament. And I think it's a great way to start this series. And we find it, the first example of this question, it's found from Jesus in John chapter one, verse 35. It says, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples, this is John the Baptist, two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked What a great question. You ever thought about it, that Jesus actually is open to listening to what we want? And he actually is asking us this question, what do you want? See, he's not just here to provide the answers. He's not here just to say here. He's actually wanting to engage in the dialogue and in the conversation. What do you want from Jesus? And I wonder what you would say. If Jesus were here right now, and we'll look at you individually with your circumstances. What do you want from Jesus? 
In fact, I'm gonna ask you to be a little vulnerable. Go ahead and turn to somebody next to you. And what's the first thing that comes to your mind if Jesus were to ask you that question? What do you want from Jesus right now, this week? Go ahead and turn, and do it. we'll give you about 30 seconds or so. Go ahead and do that now. All right, I'm not gonna ask you know, different sections like we normally do with something like this because I know that some of these can be very deep. Some can be very personal. Uh, some of them can be hilarious. Like somebody you know, on social media says, uh, I just wanna know when they can create chocolate that tastes like the real things with zero calories. You know, I just, I mean, those are, those are important things. Uh, but you know, what, every time I ask that question, by the way, and sorry, this is gonna stick in your head because it sticks in mine. All I keep thinking is, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. And so I just, it just, I can't get it out of my head all week long. And now you'll remember this sermon because of that. You're welcome. But it is interesting, because on social media, I asked this, and there were over 130 questions. I don't think it's hard for us to answer the question, what do you want? In fact, I tried to categorize, and maybe, maybe these are some of the categories that you found you know, in, in how you answered it right now. Uh, one of the biggest ones was healings of different kinds. It could be cancer or mental health or relational healing. In fact, the number one relational healing ask was to heal my marriage. Was, asked, was answered many, many times, very vulnerable, very transparent. Others wrote uh, protections of different kind, protecting my family, my kids, or the other relationships. Uh, some wrote, <laughs> wrote the courage to write patience. You know, I'm like, that's very courageous, you know, to ask Jesus for that. A few people talked about wanting help from Jesus concerning our government, our times, the situation, the elections, providing a third party to vote for, you know, um, those kinds of things. Uh, so many people, so many people prayed for kids Health, safety, success, how to raise them, discernment, some of those kinds of things. See, Jesus asked this question, what do you want? Like I told you three times, the other two is actually mentioned in 15 verses together. In Mark chapter 10, verse 35, it says this, then James and John decide, uh, the sons of Zebedee, they come over and spoke to him. They said, teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Well, Jesus asked, what is your request? Another translation, what do you want? We want you to do something. What do you want? What's your request? They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Isn't that true? Sometimes, right? It's our kids as well. They ask questions and you have no idea what you're asking but they still engage. What do you want? Still having the conversation. You don't just shut your kids down when they ask. And then he asked this question, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? So he doesn't answer yes or no right away. He answers this. He doesn't answer directly. He's gonna answer indirectly. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh yes, they replied. We are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with the baptism of suffering but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or left. God has prepared these places for the ones he has chosen, that he has chosen. So what he's saying is, yep, you're gonna do this, but understand what you're asking, you don't understand what that means. 
And the answer is gonna be yes, but it's gonna play out differently than what you think it's gonna play out. You think I'm overthrowing the Romans still. You think I'm coming to an earthly kingdom. I'm talking about something greater. And so you're gonna get there and you're gonna get what you want, but maybe not in the way that you want it, which we'll get to in just a second. Then just a few verses later in Matthew 10, 46, the second time this question gets asked from Jesus. It says, then they reached Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus Son of Timaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What? Do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. So here's some things I want us to process as we answer the question that Jesus is asking. What do you want from Jesus? The first thing I wanna make sure that we set this, this because I think we have a bad understanding of God is that Jesus, who yes, is the God of the universe, he stops and he sees you. See, sometimes we don't think that God, because of the situations we're going through, like God, does he care? Does he see? Does he even know? He sees you. That's what he says when he, t- when he heard him. He stopped to tell him, come, come here to me. He cares and he loves what's going on. Secondly, God wants to hear what we want. How many times have we dismissed? Oh, God is so busy. If he's really there, he's not gonna care about my little thing. Okay, for those of you who are parents, have you ever said that to your kids? No, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, dad, mom, you're too busy. You have too many more important things. I'm not gonna ask you for a bowl of Cheerios. You would be like, what are you talking about? You're my child. I want you to ask me, what you want. I want to be engaged in relationship with you, and you and I are called the children of God. It doesn't mean the answer is always going to be yes, but the question is most important. What do you want? God hears us. See, I don't want you to miss this because in another section, Jesus says this about asking what we want in Matthew 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Then he says this, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, some of you guys are like, that is my favorite verse in the Bible. I get to rub the lamp and the genie comes out, ask whatever I want and it will be given to me. Yes. But notice the illustration he gives. You know, parents, you're sinful. I'm not. I'm the father. You give good gifts. How much more am I going to give good gifts to those who ask? And so here's what I want you to understand is what we want from Jesus actually good for us. Because some of us are asking, I want this. Because sometimes what we want or think we want is actually harmful or destructive. Let me give you just a little example. 
your child comes to you at 9 p.m. at night and says, hey, mom, dad, I really want a Red Bull before I go to sleep. And you say, no, not gonna give you a Red Bull before you go to sleep. And they're looking at you like, you don't care about me. That's what I want. That's what I asked for. And you're like, no, because I care for you, because I love you, you're not gonna get this Red Bull now, maybe tomorrow, maybe at this time, whatever that may look like. Does that make sense? And then how much more our Heavenly Father looks at our requests and says, if I actually give you what you think you want, the very thing that I give you will destroy you from the inside out. Or it'll hurt your relationship with me, hurt your relationship with other people. And so I'm not gonna give you what you want or maybe how you want or when you want it because I love you this much. So understand that I am a good father and I want to be able to give you good gifts. Also, sometimes we never think about this, but there could be something much greater at work, especially when we're going through pain and suffering, right? I mean, that's the number one question. God, what I want is this to be taken away. I want this pain, this discomfort, this suffering. I want this to be taken away. Why aren't you answering what I want? Because maybe there's something greater that's going on based on a God who loves you than the current pain that you're in. Let me, let me, let me uh, process this with you this way. The Apostle Paul wrote most of our New Testament. Probably the most godly man, you know, outside of Jesus himself, who was God in human form, who's walked this earth, and he was going through some pain, some physical pain. And this is what it says. It says, even though I received, in 2 Corinthians 12, received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, and we don't know what that thorn was. We don't know if it was something, you know, physical is probably what it was. Something was painful. That's what we do know what it was. But it was a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And in case you missed it the first time, God revealed to me that I have a propensity for being proud. Because he loves me, he allowed this to happen in my life so that I wouldn't become proud, more dependent on me and not on him, more proud that would hurt my relationships with other people. And so the very pain of God was actually the gift of God because God revealed to me that the greater work was not actually me getting rid of my pain, but entrusting him in the midst of the pain. What I really wanted was to actually be reduced in pride, and this was his way. In fact, he goes on to say three different times, I begged the Lord, to take it away. But each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me, through me. You see, is what we want from Jesus actually good for us? That's what we need to ask ourselves. And now you begin to understand, wait a minute, could there be a higher reason, a higher understanding, and we don't get it? Let me refer back to you as parents. You get it sometimes when it comes to your kids. Right? There's some pain that they're going through that's actually helpful for them, that's actually reminding them, that's actually good for them in their process of growth and maturity, but they can't see it as a two-year-old, as a seven-year-old, as a 17-year-old, but you can because you've been there. How much more so as the children of God? Is there a different perspective? 
that actually God loves us enough. And so he's going to answer what we want, but just not maybe in the time frame or circumstance in which we want it. In fact, one of the questions to ask is, is what we want from Jesus actually what we need and what is best? So Bartimaeus was blind. He'd been blind a long time. This probably wasn't the first time that he wanted to see in his life. He probably asked God. I'm just assuming because Jesus reaffirms his faith about not being able to see. And Jesus answered what he wanted because he knew this would encourage his faith, which was more important than his sight, and also would be a testimony to other people. Let me remind you, Jesus didn't heal everybody. He came across dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people Jesus did not physically heal because there was something greater at work in Bartimaeus' life. This was a key for him when it came to faith and entrusting himself to Jesus. Also, if God just answered yes to all our wants, do you have any idea what kind of chaos you'd be in this world? Okay, if you can't, if you can't believe me, I'm gonna date myself a little bit, but let me just show you just a little clip of what it would look like. Go ahead and watch the screen with me. Okay, I, I need to make some kind of a dent by now. Chaos, 47 pounds of the Krispy Kreme diet. Amazing. That's why people are coming to 8 a.m., you know. Uh, that's, that's what I told them. But it is true. You know, we don't understand how if we get everything that we want, what that actually means in our lives and the lives of others as we continue to move forward. In fact, oftentimes when God answers our want, it actually usually isn't in the way we want it. So let me play this out for you, and let's just be honest, you know, before God and before others. Maybe you've prayed this prayer, God, I'm lonely, and I want friends. Jesus' response could be, that's amazing. I'm actually going to provide you with so many opportunities in the weeks, months, and years ahead to be the friend to other people. That's not what I asked for. I want other people to be my friend. No, no, no. What you want is friendship and to lose loneliness. To lose loneliness, I'm gonna teach you what it means to be a good friend. And when you're a good friend, you're gonna find you're gonna have lots of friends down the line. See what God did there? Let me give you a couple more. Uh, God, I want a better marriage. Right, since I was, I was asking. And Jesus says, okay, I'm gonna 100% answer this request, but in order to best answer it, I'm gonna have to change you first. I don't want that. Change my wife first. Change my spouse first. No, 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 no. There are some things I need to change in you first before that answer in the positive gets directed. There's something that I want to do in you and then through you. God, I, I just want a better financial picture. Another often asked question. Okay, Jesus says, in order to do so, I'm going to ask you to trust me with your resources. No, no, no. I can't afford to do that, God. I want you to let me win the lottery. You know, then, then I'll entrust you once I reach a certain point. He's like, no, no, no. 
This is actually gonna help you with your financial picture if you'd actually start with entrusting it to me. Or God, I want a physical healing. God, take this pain away. Eventually I will, he might say, but for now I have this in your life because I hope it causes more dependence on me, reduces the pride, maybe even help depend, allow other people to be in your life because you're the person that always gives. Now you're the one that actually has to receive, and I know that's really hard for you, but this is actually great for you in relationship with others and relationship with me for this season. Then harder is, but God, I wanna be healed, and maybe God's answer is yes, you're gonna be healed, which the greatest healing is actually gonna result in death because you're gonna be united with me forever, no more pain no more suffering, no more loss. That's really hard, and I don't get it. I don't understand it, as, even as a pastor. But will I trust that God knows best, and he loves me as a father, a great father loves a child? Can I entrust that even though I don't get it, and I'm like, okay, your perspective is good, and I'm gonna trust you with that. Maybe this last one. God, I want you to provide us a child and God says, that's incredible. I'm going to provide you a child. And I picked out one for you in the foster system or somewhere internationally. So you may not be in the way that we want it. God's gonna answer the prayer, but let's not get hung up in how he answers, but that he's listening as a good father to us. And he wants to provide what we want that's best for us. And he wants to dialogue in the relationship. So we're hesitant, like, well, God's never gonna give me what I want. Have the conversation you never know. He wants to be in relationship with us because the question becomes, how do we align our wants with God's best for our lives? This takes time. Uh, you see this in, in, in again, going to go back to parenting. You know, once again, when the kids are little, they ask crazy things. As you build relationship with your child, they start to understand, ooh, I probably shouldn't ask for Red Bulls before night because I've gotten a lot of no's. Maybe if I ask for this and this way at this time, and then all of a sudden you see at times in your relationship, a harmony based on relationship with one another, you understand each other and actually what is best. In fact, Jesus says it this way, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. The more we align with him. In fact, let's not forget that Jesus actually asked who wants himself of God. Before he goes to the cross, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he requests two wants from God. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he says, Father, if you are uh, willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. God, I want you to take this away. That's what Jesus is asking. That's the first question. Then the second one, he says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Powerful. See, none of us want to drink the cup of pain. None of us want to go through that hard time. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I don't want to do this. He's honest. I don't want to do this. But then he finishes, but not my will, but yours be done. When is the last time when we asked the requests of God that we actually finished it with that prayer? We said, God, I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. But I trust you and I want your will to be done. Because I know what you're gonna do is gonna be good for me, good for your kingdom, good for others. God, I just am going to trust you and so not my will but yours be done. But I'm still gonna ask for Cheerios. I'm still gonna ask for a new car. I'm still gonna ask for a good marriage. I'm still gonna ask for all of those things. But then you can finish with say, but God, not my will but yours be done. How often do we finish with that, with that prayer? So as we close, I just want you to know, Jesus stops, he sees and he wants to hear from you. He wants us to express this. What do you want? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend some time 
answering this question. You already started. What do you want or need from Jesus this week? And then ask him, say, God, I wanna align my will to yours. But let's not be shy, no matter where you're at in your faith, to not be shy to say, this is what I want because God wants the conversation. He wants the dialogue. He wants the interaction so that we can grow more and more becoming like him. What do you want from Jesus? We're gonna go to prayer right now. And now you have your chance to express it to him in your own heart and mind. So let's, let's join me in prayer and I want you to do the same thing with God. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this opportunity. And so Father, I just pray you'd hear the prayer requests of people in this room. Lord, you have asked, what do we want from you? And I pray that you'd hear those questions, those answers, I mean, to that question from people in this room right now. Father, you know what I want, and yet I want your will above all. Father, I'm gonna trust you as father to, to take my wants and to conform them, to help them. And yet, Lord, I wanna just continue to dialogue with you. And so I pray that you would just hear every prayer, which I know you have, and that you would just help us, help us on this journey to continue to bring them before you. We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, as we close today, as always, we have a chance just to come to God, to come to his altar, to come into his presence as we are, to be able to say, Jesus, thank you that you want me in your presence, that you want me here. And for those of you who need some people to pray for you, don't leave this place. We've got people at the cross who would love to talk to you about that. Or here's what I know Jesus wants from you, a relationship. So maybe you've never accepted him and maybe that next step is to be baptized in him after you've accepted him. Head to the cross. They'd love to talk to you about that. For the rest of us, let's remember to sing this to God in a declaration, a commitment to him. Will you stay with me as we sing our closing song together?